everyone, and welcome to episode 124 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppBatic.net. Join us this week as we watch Disney's Mosaic, without tapes, on the new lifelike MacBook Pros. How are you doing today, Brett? I am doing good. Lots of great content to watch. I got myself a big new iPad, and so I'm ready to go. It's a fun time. We're a little later than usual for this week's podcast because we wanted to give ourselves some more time to dive into Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I mean, it launched a couple days ago, struggled a little in that first day, but then, yeah, it, we got lots of stuff to watch and games to play, so hopefully you'll enjoy what uh, we're going to talk about. And so before we get to Disney+, Plus, Apple made some news this week with the new 16-inch MacBook Pro, and... It's just a press release. You know, we kind of predicted this, assumed it, that Apple wouldn't have a whole event. And so here we go. There's a brand new 16-inch MacBook Pro. It's kind of like what we assumed, where they made it almost identical to the 15-inch, but they reduced the bezels, so they allow for that new 16-inch screen size. And then there's some under-the-hood enhancements that people are definitely going to appreciate. And really, Apple's designing this to let people have Pro machines that are still laptops. They don't want you to have to have an iMac or some desktop computer. They wanted to put as much as possible into their laptop. And so this is their new top of the line. It starts at the same $23.99 price that the 15-inch was, but now it starts at 512 gigabytes of storage. You got new uh, ninth-generation Intel Core processors. And probably, I don't know, it's not the biggest change, but maybe the most appreciative change is that they went away from the butterfly keyboard and they have this new scissor magic keyboard and they also have a physical escape key the touch bar remains but there is a specific physical escape key yeah i think they this is was a huge sticking point for people uh no pun intended uh as far as the uh, keyboard goes and so I, I, it's good to see them finally. They never really admitted there was a problem. They kind of just brushed it away. But the fact that they've now actually swapped out the mechanism for the keyboard going forward, it's obvious there was a problem with the, with that butterfly keyboard. So it's good that they finally switched it. You always want to have a physical escape key. I don't understand why they, they got rid of it on the other keyboard. So it just makes sense. They're finally fixing the problems that they themselves created and uh, putting that out there for this new model. Yep. And then it also, it starts with uh, 16 gigabytes of RAM. Make sure it's uh, nice and beefy in that compartment. The best aspect, I think, of this whole thing is that it starts at $23.99, but you can customize it so it costs $6,099. Now that is an impressive achievement by Apple. Yeah, and why wouldn't you? I yeah, mean, then you, you still go want to pair it. You got to pair it with what the ten thousand? How much was that monitor? It was yeah, insanely I think it expensive. Is 10, yeah, ten thousand because it was a thousand for the stand. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And so you so, you know you need that second monitor. I mean, why would you stick with like sidecar on your iPad? You you need to go all in. Yeah, I mean that sixteen is just like your little smaller extra screen. Like you really want the giant monitor to go with it. Yep. And on terms of uh, actual physical stature of this device, it's about a 0.3 pound increase in weight. On depth, you have 0.2 inches. Width, you have about 0.35 inches. And height, it's only 0.3 inches or 0.03 inches. So it's very minimal in terms of if you've had the 15-inch MacBook Pro, it's not like, oh, this is a big, huge machine. It's 
effectively the same size. It's pretty impressive Apple was able to do that. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're someone who hasn't upgraded your MacBook in a while, I mean, you might still have one of the ones with the thicker bezels around the outside. And once you try out one of these with the virtually no bezel whatsoever, it is so impressive how much they've been able to reduce the weight and size of these things, yet keep your screen the exact same size, or in this case, they actually made it bigger. But just go do yourself a favor and go try one of these out in the Apple store. If you have not, if you're still running with an old, I've got a mid 2015 and the bezel on that thing feels so thick and fat when I compare it to the one I have for work, which is a 2018 13 inch model. And it's like, these just are super nice machines. And you, you, if you're thinking about upgrading and you had the 15 inch before and you didn't want to upgrade because of all the problems with that keyboard and things now, is probably the time to go. Unfortunately, these are likely because they just got released, not going to be on sale for Black Friday. But uh, maybe if you could hold out a little bit longer, I'm sure eventually you'll be able to find slight deals. We're not talking about anything big, no big savings, but you're not going to, there's not going to be sales on these things, most likely for the holiday season. So if you have been holding out and you've got to buy it now, then uh, now there's really no excuse because now you've got the newest stuff out there but uh yeah so give them a try if you have not one neat feature they threw in it's kind of buried in the press release is this new microphone system array which supposedly has multiple microphones to allow for uh, feedback cancellation and exterior audio cancellation to just record the main input that you want to i have no idea how this is going to work how it has this whole sound isolation system but just the idea of it, to be able to put your MacBook Pro and use it to maybe record a podcast instead of using a separate speaker, maybe in like a crowded room you do an interview, I'm pretty intrigued at what they were able to do with this. Yeah, I'd be curious to, is what exactly it's it's getting rid of. Maybe it's just getting rid of fan noise, because we all know that that's one big issue that all of these MacBooks seem to have, is that fan kicks in and it's super loud. And then you got to figure out what you got to close to to stop that. Yeah, I've never had, I mean, obviously you don't hear anything like that on an iPad, and it seems to run a lot of the same similar stuff. Even if you close everything down, sometimes that fan could be running for a while. And then there's a larger 100-watt uh, battery for potentially longer battery life. They have that slightly bigger design to pull it off. And really, if you're in the market and you have $2,400 to spend, this is the best laptop Apple makes. If, or $6,000. Don't, don't knock that one out yet. <laughs> you're right. If you have $6,000 to spend, all in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say you only have $2,400, though. Here's a pretty appealing choice, though. Admittedly, I like the 13 inch. It's more portable. It's plenty powerful what I do. But if you are running heavy duty stuff, you're like 3D animator or you're 3D engineer, any kind of programs that are super heavy duty, you know, you're doing all kinds of 8K video editing and all those fun things that Apple shows on their <laughs> good uh, little presentations. This is now the laptop for you. Yeah, yeah, and basically anything where you really need that that separate graphics card because that's the one big distinguisher between the 13 inch and the 16 now 16 inches that you don't have that separate graphics card. You only have the the built-in one on the 13 inch. So anything really graphics heavy, games, uh rendering, like you said, uh that's really where you're going to want to jump up to that 15. 
Or, and then, sorry, 16. Yeah, 16. Also, the Mac Pro is supposedly going to launch in December. So if the 16-inch MacBook Pro isn't quite powerful enough for you and you really need to edit four different streams simultaneously of 8K video while also, I don't know, rendering your CGI that you've created for the next Avengers movie, then those Mac Pros are coming out soon. Yeah, if you are if you work for Disney and you're doing some Disney Plus original programming, yeah, this is not going to settle for you. You got to go for the, the full-on MacBook, Mac Pro. Yep. And so that's the 16-inch MacBook Pro available today. So now Disney Plus, guess what? It launched on November 12th. And now we've had a couple days to dive all into it and really analyze it. And part of us, we're going to compare it to Apple TV Plus. But before we get there, we just want to talk about Disney Plus in itself. And this is like a nostalgia trip that has never been created in the history of mankind. And to go beyond that, Disney, of course, has their own original programming. And they started off with The Mandalorian as their big title. And there's only one single episode at launch. And then they're going to go week by week. So they didn't even I thought it was going to be three episodes, maybe two episodes. But one, you get it. And The Mandalorian is absolutely outstanding. If you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to be in love with all the details they've done. It feels like movie production quality. If you've recently seen any of the Star Wars movies, you're like, okay, this is right on par with that. But now they've taken a usual two-hour story or two-hour window of a movie, and they've broken that to be TV. So now you have eight episodes to really expand and create a whole new story about Mandalore and this specific Mandalorian bounty hunters in the time after the fall of the Empire, before we get into The Force Awakens, that 30-year period between Return of the Jedi and really just amazing production values. But also, you can see where they're going with this story to create that idea of the old classic Wild West idea set within the Star Wars universe, where it's kind of a lawless land. There's the void that the Empire has left over. And bounty hunters kind of rule supreme, but also there's not a consistent currency. Bounty hunter has bounty in the name, so the money that he's the bounty's going to get is very important. And so just to dive all into that, it's really, really well done. Yeah, I mean, this looks absolutely gorgeous. It's like you're watching a movie. Well, it helps that you're watching everything in 4K HDR right off the bat. Every single thing on here is in 4K. And there were a few little hiccups when the when the whole thing launched. That some people were having struggles to get on. I didn't actually have a problem connecting. It was more when I tried to add multiple profiles for our family that it kept on saying that the service wasn't available. But actually watching content no problems but yeah i was a little bummed especially when you watch that first episode it was only it was less than an hour it's obviously yeah so it felt like they made it so that they might be able to air it someplace else maybe with commercials or something like i don't know why they didn't fill the entire hour unless they are just planning ahead for some in case this ever goes somewhere with commercials but we won't have to wait too much longer for another episode because new episodes are supposedly coming on fridays for all of their programming so we got the one episode on launch on tuesday tuesday yeah Yeah. and then we'll get a new episode uh when this episode drops which is Friday, we should hopefully be getting yet another episode of this. But yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I love the the whole kind of Western feel to it, but still have the Star Wars feel. And one amazing character in this that I absolutely loved was IG-11, which was this other like robotic, looked like a gunslinger, 
uh, and he's a droid. He's a droid bounty hunter. He's like IG-88, but he's a different model. And so he's got the bandolier, he's got the akimbo guns, and he's spinning his arms around like crazy, just shooting things like dead on target. Absolutely amazing. And then even like part of his metal body looks like a cigar is coming out of his mouth. He's basically Clint Eastwood out there, but in robot form. It was it was awesome. And he's voiced by Taika Waititi. So that's always fun. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And really just excellent job. The only hesitation of total recommendation of this show is that I don't want to watch it week to week. I can't imagine waiting. That's two months if we're going to have to wait every Friday for the next eight weeks. Yeah, it's going to be back to old school. You're going to have to watch an episode, talk about an episode. You don't have to worry about spoilers if you watch it on time. So that I kind of like because then I don't feel this pressure to watch them like, oh, I got to watch all these episodes. Otherwise, someone's going to spoil the ending. So to me, it kind of especially with the amount of content we're getting hit with now between all these different services, it's. It's kind of nice to have it a breather just because I don't get that many hours a day to watch TV, especially if I'm playing games as well. Like, I have limited time. I'm not going to like I'm already way behind on my Amazon Prime shows because there's so many seasons. I'm way behind on my Netflix shows because there's so many episodes that drop to these things. So it kind of feels nice to have this. My only problem is that I forget because there's other stuff to watch. Between, like, I watch new episode of Mandalorian. I'm going to watch shows after Friday until the next Friday. It's like, oh, it's not I'm going to have this, like, oh, I'm not watching any shows anymore. And then you kind of, like, just lose track of what you were doing. You're not as interested or invested as you were. And for me, when I normally watch shows, I like to watch one episode per day for, like, a week. Or maybe two weeks, depending on how long a season is. I'm not the person who's going to sit down and watch eight hours in a row and binge things that's never been me that never will be me but i like that consistency like oh this week i'm gonna watch you know whatever show that's on i'm just you know dive in one episode a day that's like you said you don't have a ton of time on your hands but i can afford time to watch one episode and just keeps you in the flow of the narrative building it up and so to say oh i watched mandalorian now they're like go watch something else watch another service or watch something else in our catalog it's just I'm not that big fan. I think you should give people the choice. I understand why they're doing it, because they don't have a gigantic original show launch catalog. They're really reliant on their past history of stuff. And so to keep people subscribed month after month, granted, I already paid three years, they want you to (laughs) go past the seven-day trial. Like, if you sign up for seven-day trial, all eight episodes of Mandalorian, you're like, okay, I watched Mandalorian I'm pretty good. I own like a lot of these movies already. I don't need to subscribe to Disney Plus. Now this has you on the hook for eight weeks. Unless you just wait eight weeks and then watch the whole thing in eight weeks down the road. I mean, you have that option, but then the problem is you run into the issue of having to avoid people talking about the show. That's, I mean, yeah, it's a trade-off. It's a double-edged sword, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It, to me, I just because I I have watched a lot of this original content on here, and I actually enjoyed quite a bit of it. That I'm kind of glad because then there's also all these old shows on here that have like some of them have fewer seasons than I remembered. Some of them have way more seasons than I thought they had. And if I ever want to dig into these shows, I could just binge away on these while waiting for the next episode to come or 
as I said, I have like so many of these subscription services now at this point that I can go watch other episodes of other things that are dropping. And so for the original shows, Beyond Mandalorian, which is their key title, you have High School, the musical or High School Musical, the musical, the series, which continues the idea of the show. But rather than a two hour movie, this is essentially set at the school where High School Musical took place. And we bring in someone who wants to run an annual play about High School, the musical. Right. Yeah. So you basically I watched this one. I actually I didn't know what to expect. I'd seen the first High School Musical way back when when it first came out because I'm old and I watched the uh, second one. And I don't think I ever even bothered to watch the third one. They actually even make fun of the second and third in this within the first five minutes of the show. Some guy makes fun of the sequels. But uh, yeah, so you basically have these kids in high school and this young uh, drama teacher comes in and she wants to put on this uh, high school, the musical in the school where high school, the musical was filmed. And it's basically like a mockumentary. The, the kids are there's drama amongst the kids, almost kind of paralleling uh, high school musical. And they're all fighting for parts. And there's uh, people that have broken up and people that have fat and like new people to fall in love with. And so it, there's all this drama, but there's comedy and it, it was entertaining. Just the way it's filmed is kind of almost, there's a lot of like facing the camera talking like the office where they're getting interviewed sort of. Uh, and then there's actual stuff on the screen going on as well. There's musical numbers as you would quite expect uh and so i this one i didn't know what to expect i didn't know if it was gonna be super dumb if it was gonna be like a teenage drama but it was a nice mix of comedy musical and drama and uh there's definitely like actors in here that i recognize from other shows that my kids watch like bizarre vark uh and in other shows that are on the disney network right now so uh it's definitely they're trying to make it so that it appeals to both a younger and an older audience that remembers the original because some of these kids may not have seen high school musical for them the uh, they watch descendants and zombies the new stuff not the older stuff by these same people so I don't know. This one, I I am definitely going to continue watching it because I, I really enjoyed it, surprisingly. And you know what the best part about Disney Plus is that if you've never seen High School Musical, guess what? Before you start the series, you can watch the actual movies, one, two, and three, because they're right there in the service. Oh, yeah. You can, you can sit down and watch them all. Yeah. So you... Go right ahead. I mean, it's this is all, especially if you. I think a lot of people probably are all in for three years already. Yeah, you might as well try it out and check it out because you've already paid for it. So just go ahead and enjoy it. Yep. And then to continue that musical idea, they have uh, the Kristen Bell host Encore, which is a reality kind of TV version where they're going back to people who put on high school performances like ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. And they're having them put them on again. So now, you know, they're all older. They've lived their various lives and gone different directions and all that. So you have the whole backstory storytelling of how people have evolved from when they were 18 years old to now 40 years old or whatever the case may be. And you're having them put on the performance. And, you know, theater kids, they continue it or they don't continue it. No, you know, some people go on. Some people are now like an accountant or whatever. And it's just it's really interesting backstory storytelling. As you see them eventually 
put on the play at the end in their new lives of it's really this was actually pretty good i've only watched the first half of the first one but i know where they're going because this is a disney show i don't imagine they're gonna <laughs> fail in any of these what <laughs> <laughs> but I I like that. I love that Disney knows what their brand is and they've found various ways to kind of display it in new formats. Yeah, this was this was entertaining as well. And so I don't know how it's going to be going forward, if it's going to become kind of repetitive episode to episode. I mean, granted, it's going to be a different musical each time, I think. Uh, but just Chris, first of all, the whole Kristen Bell thing, she's in it for about five minutes. She executive produces the show, but she really is not in, at least not in the first episode that much at all. So if you're tuning in just to see her, you're really not going to see her that much. But yeah, so basically they revisited in the first episode. It's Annie. about Annie. So these people put on Annie in 1996 and now they brought back most of the main cast that were in it. And they have a actual Broadway producer who's going to help them produce this new performance of it. And this is a reunion for these people. Most of them hadn't seen each other since graduation from high school. So it'd been like 25, almost 25 years that they hadn't even seen each other. And so now they kind of get to see each other again. And you see the current all of the people in it seem to have these really elaborate backstories that they must have really gone out and tried to do like a casting call or have people kind of write in to say, this is what happened to me because all of these people seem to have a story and they're not just like your typical story. There's a lot of stuff going on. So I found that kind of interesting that they happened to find these people. Somehow they, they did this. I don't know, but I'm assuming they're not lying about these backstories of the people, but it was entertaining to see them because obviously most of these people had not sung since high school to see them try and like do this again, relive the glory days of when they were on the stage and doing this in high school. But now as adults where they have families and other responsibilities, they take a week and they learn this new play, learn the choreography, learn uh, get all the costumes, everything done. Then they put it on for their family, friends, and the people in the town where this originally, the original production was. And then you get to see how they react to it and how what this ends up kind of doing to the people that uh, went ahead and and went back and tried to relive this. And so it was just a, a fun story and seeing how this all went down i'm just a little nervous that it's gonna get repetitive as it goes forward because there's only so much difference you can do from episode to episode i'm already looking forward to the heartstrings that are going to be tugged by the one where the guy who played peter pan is now in a wheelchair i i just can't wait for the <laughs> disney spin on that one Oh my! Oh, I, I haven't seen any ads for what was upcoming, so I don't know if you're making that up or if that no, was no, no, it's coming. They showed it at D twenty three, and I was like, okay, this show. <laughs> I know where you're going, show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there is an there is an original coming up, which definitely it, it it gives you the feels. And so, also, so this is a National Geographic item, but it's the world according to Jeff Goldblum. And Jeff Goldblum has one of the most interesting and peculiar personalities of any celebrity. So to put him and go to kind of familiar things and just 
have him interact with that world and that particular activity or location or whatever the case may be. It's a brilliant idea. And I'm all in for watching Jeff Goldblum. This, I kind of feel like maybe it's like Encore where it could get tired after a while. Like he's going and doing different things, but it's still that same kind of Jeff Goldblum stick as they have him in the thing and then they do a on-camera interview that kind of cut between those two over and over again. You see, I love these type of shows. I watch these type of shows all the time. Adding Jeff Goldblum in it is just odd. It adds this whole level of weirdness to it and awkwardness. And I don't know how anyone can sit down with him and actually have like a straight conversation. (laughs) He's just weird. He is just really weird. And I don't know how much of it's an act or how much of it is just how he is. But it does lend itself to be entertaining but also make you feel like uh, i'm like i don't know like what's going on at the same time and you feel like bad for these people trying to have a straight conversation and give them this information so the first episode is all about sneakers and people are trying to like have a straight conversation one guy does and you can see he's just then like just goes with the flow and just starts joking around with him. And you could see this just initial tension there that he doesn't know how to respond to this weirdness, but then just kind of goes with it and ends up being fun. So this was another one. This one I was really looking forward to. I'd watched the, the trailer for this and it just looks so off the wall and different than anything that we really get on these type of services that I was really looking forward to this one, and it did not disappoint. Yep. And then also one that I'm really enjoying is the Imagineering story. I got to see a whole kind of like panel about Imagineering during D23, and this just feels like a continuation, like a behind the scenes of all that goes into designing all of the animatronic and interactive areas of Disneyland. You kind of take it for granted when you go to Disneyland just how much man hours and time went into creating every single thing that you might just glance at or it's a little part of the ride you know it's not like the big main part of the ride it's this little guy who's three rows back of all these characters and they still put their time and effort into designing it and so the first episode really ties Walt Disney and the original creation of Disneyland into the narrative like as we go we're going to be more contemporary but this first episode sets the groundwork of how Imagineering was created at Disney and how that idea lives on through the company. So if you're a fan of documentaries and Disneyland, I can't imagine a better show than this. Yeah, this was, unfortunately, just because of how long it was, I didn't have a chance to to watch this one yet, but this is on my watch list. I can't wait to dive into this, because I love that whole, I, uh, the whole behind the scenes. I love watching documentaries on this kind of stuff whereas you see like creative people being creative and you've always kind of wondered where these ideas come from and now you get to see like the people that create them and just like how they're thinking about this stuff that you may have never even thought about it before but uh this one i think it was over an hour for that first episode so i just i haven't uh watched it yet but i will definitely be watching this I want to get a job as an Imagineer. I don't know if this is a recruiting video, but (laughs) it does an excellent job at that. I mean, part of me feels like the Jeff Goldblum is a recruiting video to live with Jeff Goldblum and go on his daily crazy adventures just to have an amazing time. Yeah. Hey, I I don't know. It would be weird. I know. But it would be interesting. It would be so weird. (laughs) It would be interesting. And keep you on your toes all day. 
You would definitely be on your toes and trying to figure out what, where the heck he was going to go, and you have no idea where it's going to be. Yep. And then there's two big things that Disney released, which are pure movies. They're not episodic, and they're, so that means the entire thing is available now. The first one I just want to mention quickly is Noel. I haven't seen it yet, but it's the holiday season. This is specifically about Santa Claus and Christmas time, and it has Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. If you're a fan of Anna Kendrick, I'm sure you're going to watch this regardless, but just the kind of a cute Christmas movie on Disney. Really, what else do you need? Yeah, I can't. You know, my my younger daughter is all into Christmas already. Like, at room is decor, decked out <laughs> for uh, Christmas. And so I am definitely going to see. I haven't watched it because I saved it to watch with her. So maybe this weekend we'll dive into this, even though I usually like to save the Christmas celebration until after we hit Thanksgiving. But I might have to because this does look good. And then Lady and the Tramp is the big title. It's the live-action remake of the animated classic. Disney released Aladdin and Lion King in theaters this year, and they both did amazing at the box office, regardless of critical opinion. I enjoyed both, regardless of critical opinion, too. And so with Lady and the Tramp, they could have easily released it in theaters, but they decided to launch Disney Plus with it. And you can see that the production quality is spot on. You have actual actor dogs on screen to play Lady and the Tramp, and then they have voiceovers by actual people and they do CGI so the mouth kind of aligns with the words that are being spoken. But the actor dogs are doing, they're going to carry this movie. It's beautifully shot. Watch this in 4K if you have a TV that's capable of it and just enjoy the dogs doing an amazing job to convey, to convey this story. Honestly, I want to watch the original before I want to watch this new one, so I just watched like 10 minutes. I just randomly scrolled through the middle of it, and it's really outstandingly shot. But I need to watch the original animated movie before watching this one fully. Yeah, it's been years since I've seen the animated I, I don't one. have I, any I, memories of Lady and the Tramp at all. <laughs> uh, I definitely watched it. I don't remember much of it other than the iconic spaghetti scene. Yeah. But I really don't remember much of it at all. I... I actually haven't seen any of these live action remakes like the Jungle Book, Lion King or, or Beauty and the Beast. Aladdin. Jeez, those are all good. Or, 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 no, I did see Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I'm talking about the ones where they have like the an the real oh, the, animals. Yeah, the CGI animals, yeah. Yeah. So I haven't seen either of those yet. Uh my I think my kids have seen both, but I haven't actually sat down. I was hoping they'd be on on this service so I could finally sit down and watch them. But uh yeah, I'm curious to see this. I mean, obviously, this was a much longer. Somehow, the the new movie is a half an hour longer than the original movie was. But then again, the original movie was only like an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> so That's the most uh, amazing thing. I was scrolling through Out of the Vault, and I'm like, all of these movies are between like an hour and... And an hour and 15 minutes. You know, you have like Snow White and Cinderella and 101 Dalmatians and Jungle Book. They're all like these short manageable pieces to watch. Yeah, I think like feature length film used to be what, like 74 minutes or 84 minutes or something like that. I think, yeah, I think it, it was a growing. little over an hour. <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I'm curious to see this. I, I, I like you. I kind of want to go. I mean, well, you're saying you don't even remember seeing it at all. I kind of want to go I've back. I've seen and it. Watch I just the... don't remember. Like I probably watched this when I was five years old. I don't have many memories. Thinks how many things I've watched. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm curious. To, I, I'm 
trying to decide if I want to just dive right into the to live action and go back and rewatch. I, I almost want to dive into live action and then find something where they do a shot by shot comparison of some section of the film and just see what it looks like. And so since we've been so that's pretty much the original programming. I know you watched a couple other things. You want to quickly mention them? Yeah, so there was a Marvel Hero Project. And that's the one I said that kind of gives you the feels. And what they do is they take uh, these kids that are doing extraordinary things. So the first episode is about this girl who was born missing a hand. And she ended up becoming this creator. She like went to this STEM camp and she ended up learning to create things. She ended up creating a prosthetic hand that she could put on that shot out glitter. And she would go around and she used this to inspire all of these other kids to not look at it as, as having disabilities, but find ways that they can make their disabilities unique and do th- build things to put on their like where they're missing a hand to to show their uniqueness and she and and so the whole premise of the show is they tell you all about this this kid that's doing amazing things and then secretly the marvel people are developing their own comic book based on this kid and then they present it to them and welcome them in as part of the marvel hero project give them a special jacket and their comic book that they've turned them into a superhero because they're doing super amazing things and it's just a, a really uplifting uh, show that kind of focuses on these kids that oftentimes we hear about kids doing horrible things. And these kids mm-hmm. are doing just really great, amazing things. And so it's it's nice to see them focus on this and really kind of bring in. It's could especially if, ki- if your own kids are watching this, it can be great role models for these kids or they see kids that are different and they're not scared of this. And they just uh, it's just what it is. And that's and they learn about these other things that maybe they don't have uh, exposure to in the suburbs where we are. So it's uh it's kind of nice. I, I this one I, I really enjoyed. And it, I, I don't I'm sure there's going to be uh, all kinds of different uh, amazing things these kids are doing. I'm curious to see how they do. And you can actually read the comic book uh, that they create for each of these kids online. It's very short. We're talking about like a couple of pages. Uh, and so you get to see the, the product that gets produced at the end as well. I can't think of a better definer of Disney and their company brand than this. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's uh, and it's well produced too. Like they it's they do great interviews. You get, they keep cutting back to the team that are making the comic book and you hear them talking about capturing the personality of the the child and all of the cool stuff that they're doing. So they're really putting and they're doing this all on their own time like after hours to create this comic book. This isn't like part of their normal work day. They're putting in extra hours to get this done. And so uh it's just a well-produced and and thoughtful program. Yep. And then I just want to say that where is Forky or what is Forky? What is whatever? Forky asked a question. That's not yes, for me. Yes, Forky asked a question. That's completely, yes, no. I can't even give an opinion on that. I know that it is so redundantly simplistic that I, I can't even get started. No, I tried to, it's even only three minutes, and I had to struggle to get through three minutes of it. It was, like, I loved Forky in Toy Story 4. This I could not stand 
to watch. It was it was pretty it, like it's meant for really young kids, I think, because the first one he's trying to learn what money is. And so I, I don't know. It just I didn't really think it was that funny. Uh, I don't I didn't watch. I didn't have my kids watch it to see if they thought. It, but I think it's really meant for even younger kids. Uh, mine are 10 and 12. So mm-hmm. I think they're a little too old for that. But the last one that I did watch that I wanted to just quickly mention is called Pixar in Real Life. I have no idea how this is going to go going forward, but basically what they do is they take like a Pixar character or something and then they kind of put it in real life. So in this first episode, they uh, have the little... dashboard from inside out the one where they can control the emotions of the person inside them and so they just have that out in the middle of this open area in new york city and people are just walking up and like oh can we touch this and they had different colored buttons for the different emotions and they had levers and stuff you can move and they would tap the buttons and they didn't realize what was going on at first and then you notice that there's actually a couple of people acting in the center of this open area. And when they hit the emotion button, they immediately switch to start doing that emotion. So like they're just having a conversation and these people up there are hitting like the anger button. And now they start like fighting with each other and like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then the people up on the dashboard are like, whoa, 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 no, make them happy again. Make them happy again. So it's kind of like a hidden camera show where you, you see these people reacting to the people who are reacting to the buttons that are pressing and they feel like they have all this power. And then they like start to regret it when someone starts crying because they press the, the sadness button. And so it's just humorous to watch these reactions. It felt an awful lot like um, Just for Laughs, that little Montreal, uh, you know, the one that you see oftentimes in the airport where they show the Just for Laughs and the hidden camera stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt kind of like that to me, and I was laughing at parts of it, and I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know how it's going to be going forward, but I, it was, this first episode I thought was somewhat entertaining. And so that's the original programming, but now this has been the question trending on social. Where did you start day one? I started day one on the original because I knew we were going to talk about this. So uh, that's where I went. And then I immediately went for Steamboat Willie right after that. Yeah. So for me, I started with Steamboat Willie. That was the very first thing I watched. It was amazing. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) then I just decided I'm going to go jump to my favorite parts of some of my favorite movies. And they have really good high speed scrubbing where, you know, a lot of things, it's not always perfect or there's black or it has to load or whatever the case. I could easily jump to the trash compactor scene in A New Hope. And then I went over to when we revealed the Millennium Falcon and The Force Awakens. Then I went into Aladdin and I watched You Never Had a Friend Like Me. And then I jumped into Mary Poppins and watched the end where Let's Go Fly a Kite. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I'm jumping all the way through like <laughs> these awesome sequences. So then I watched the Shining episode of The Simpsons. It's Treehouse of Horror number five. And... I mean, this is amazing, absolutely amazing service. Then I finally got around to Mandalorian, and that was my first day. I mean, Disney Plus, Disney has the best back catalog around. It's not even close. And to put it all easily accessible app, the app's well-designed, easy to find everything. I think the Out of the Vault section is my favorite section, because the following day I decided (laughs) to watch Snow White. So I'm just going to watch all the animated Disney movies in order of release from Snow White onward. Yeah, you should have started with uh, Steamboat Willie and watch everything in order of release. No. <laughs> Animated um, features. 
Yes. Uh, yeah. It, well, it's actually funny you should mention that the Shining episode of The Simpsons, because or it's called The Shining yeah, the in Shining. that episode. Yeah. Uh, because I had not seen The Shining yet when that episode first aired, and Me I either. knew it was coming. <laughs> So I watched The Shining before watching that episode of The Simpsons, so I would get the jokes and and see all the th- and and it wouldn't be spo- the movie wouldn't be spoiled, and I would get the jokes. So I actually sat down. One thing that's interesting is they did not include the Michael Jackson episode of The Simpsons in there. That's right. not in the catalog. And then apparently they've recut A New Hope, the Han sh- shot first yeah, scene, with Greedo, yeah, and. Now they shoot at the same time, yeah. I guess. Is, I, I didn't go and watch it. it. They've, they <laughs> showed in 77, and then in 2001, and then in 2011, and now for Disney+. Plus. So there's four different times they've edited it. Yeah, yeah. So it, I, I, I didn't. So I did go and watch the intro for Gummy Bears. I, I sung along <laughs> with the song, and I. What else did I scan through? On oh, that, I, I was curious to see what Lizzie McGuire was all about because that's on coming is a remake of Lizzie McGuire with the whole cast again. Mm-hmm. So I did go and watch part of an episode of that just to see what it was like, because I knew it was on, but I never watched it when it was on. Uh, and I didn't really dive into any of the movies. I was just kind of jumping around on the TV series. I do want, I've never watched any of Clone Wars. I was kind of a little disheartened to see that there's six seasons of that thing, because I want to watch it. Clone but Wars that's a lot amazing. of seasons. It takes once you lo- get to the last five episodes of season three, and then season four and five are some of the best Star Wars storytelling ever produced. But it does take a yeah, while so, to get there. Yeah, so that's on my list of things to watch. One, so actually, while we're talking about watch lists, one thing I did notice is it doesn't seem to remove stuff from your watch list yeah, uh, as you, you have watch to it. manually do it. Although my brother was telling me that somehow when he then went to the Apple TV, somehow it synced and then it actually did remove something from his watch list when he watched on the Apple TV. I don't know. I couldn't get anything to really remove. I don't know. I I was kind of hoping if I added a whole show to the watch list, that I'll get like a notification when a new episode's there, like I do uh, on the Apple TV for the Apple TV, the Apple TV Plus stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of hoping we get notifications for that. I, I kind of imagine some of this stuff is going to be ironed out. It It's not working greatest. I did notice on my uh, Roku that, yeah, scrubbing forward and backward, actual scrubbing worked great. But when I do the, like the rewind to just jump back to rehear something, it would if I did two jump backs, it would get out of sync and then it would almost just start showing. I would hear the audio, but the video would be completely paused. Uh-huh. And this was all streaming the 4K. That's been happening so, with me on Hulu lately. Driving me crazy. Oh, it has. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't know if it was just the Roku version of the app because that's really the one I did the most on. But it, usually you could just resolve it by just backing out of the show and then come back in and resume from where you left off. And then it was okay. I didn't, but otherwise, it's so far just be able to watch things and it looks phenomenal. I haven't seen any pixelizing with the 4k because it's not pre-downloaded it's all streaming uh i did try downloading episodes they download pretty quickly to the ipad uh and you have three quality levels you can choose when you want to download it uh i picked the medium and it looked crystal clear so uh yeah it's uh i am quite quite impressed with this whole catalog of content and 
Yeah, it's going to be a lot of watching. <laughs> yeah, so I have the app on my phone, the Apple TV, and then the Xbox. I have it on the Xbox One X so I can do the 4K content. And it's been great. It's a consistent UI on all the platforms. So it's kind of platform agnostic, which I really appreciate. And that allows me to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit or The Great Mouse Detective or those Mickey Mouse shorts from 2012 and current. Or you go back, like I said, to Snow White. You watch the brand new Mandalorian. Jump into Endgame. It's crazy what you can do with this service. And that play button is just so easy to just jump into whatever you want, wherever you want. Yeah, and the one thing, like, do people think Disney, and they oftentimes they'll think, like, kids' content. Like, it's for little kids. There is so much stuff for every age level. Like, anything. You could find anything. There's movies. There's there's really young, cartoony shows for kids. But then there's animated movies. There's adult movies. There's live-action movies. There's series. There's, like, National Geographic-type stuff, like, documentaries and and nature films there is something for everybody here so there you're gonna find something on here to watch yeah really i mean i enjoy netflix from time to time i love amazon prime i've enjoyed the apple tv plus a couple of the different shows but to be able to pretty much scroll through all these different posters and be like I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. There's no service. Like when I'm on Netflix scrolling through the stuff, I'm like, stupid, 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 stupid. Oh, that might be cool. Same thing with Amazon. But Disney Plus, I'm like, I'm going to watch almost every single thing in this entire service. Well, I think there's also familiarity with everything here. Like the, everything here is like, it's either a, it's not a, oh, what is that? Oh, I don't know what that is. It's a, oh, I forgot about that. Or, oh my gosh, they have that too. Yeah. And you're like going through it. It's like so much stuff you want to watch because you're like, I haven't seen that in so long. Or I never saw that, but I always wanted to. And I, I don't think that's like that on any other service. Like you said, this has the most comprehensive catalog of stuff where I feel like this is all stuff I want to watch, unlike most of these other catalogs where they just have so much filler that's a lot of crap I will never watch. Yep, and so that's Disney Plus, and really hopefully you signed up for that three-year deal. It comes out to $3.92 a month, and I can't imagine spending $3.92 better in any given month <laughs> for anything. <laughs> And they do have the bundle deals, too. There's there's a deal where if you have the Hulu without ads right now that you can get a $5.99 rebate if you sign up. They'll give you $5.99 back every month if you sign up for the, the bundle deal, which also gives you uh, Disney Plus and uh, the ESPN Plus. And then there's also a separate plus sucks. Just a heads up. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't I really I want to just add add Hulu. Like, I don't even care if there's ads. I wish they would just let me tack that on for a buck a month because my buck a month Black Friday deal from last year is about to expire. Oh, yeah, November 25th. Yeah, I got to finish yeah. Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> and so it, there are bundles if you are interested in both Hulu and Disney Plus, and then they'll toss in that ESPN Plus for free. Uh, so that's an option. Or hopefully, like us, you did get in on that amazing D23 deal for three years. And then with Disney Plus launching so close to Apple TV Plus, it's a bad beat for Apple. I mean, they needed to either get it out sooner. Really, that was the only other option because you can't do it later. Now that Disney Plus is on the map, I think Netflix has to can worry about it. And Apple's nowhere near 
on the entertainment side that Netflix is at. So morning show, I enjoyed it. For All Mankind, I enjoyed it. That's two shows. I have a year of it, so it's no problem. But that's not competing with Disney+. Plus. Even if Disney+, Plus had no original shows, and when you have things like The Mandalorian and launching with uh, Encore and the Lady and the Tramp movie, it's a tough competition. The Imagineering story. Yeah, I mean, this is for me. There is so much more. Even if I were paying the full six ninety nine, right? Seven dollars isn't going to break you either. (laughs) No, there's a lot more value here in Disney Plus than you have with the Apple TV Plus. I just don't think they have the amount of content. And yeah, they've said they've renewed all these other shows, but that's a whole other year away until those more seasons come. And they still haven't given a clear idea of exactly how much new content you're going to be getting in this first year of the service. Like they've mentioned shows, you hear about shows, but then you're also hearing a lot on the on the Apple TV Plus side of shows getting canceled because they couldn't make it work with the 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 people running the show and they had creative differences. So. At this point, I really don't even know how much content is coming to Apple TV+. Well, they have the one M. Night Shyamalan show coming at the end of the month. And then there's uh, Octavia Spencer, Aaron Paul's show coming in December. I know that. That's all I know. And then I don't know when (laughs) Amazing Stories is coming because they had creative differences there. But I think it's still coming. So, yeah, I'm just I wish Apple would put out more of a roadmap of when things are going to be releasing. Netflix does it. They, you know, well in advance when everything's coming. Disney, we kind of have an idea of what's coming. They've kind of laid out their three year plan. No, not as specific as they've been in the past with like the Marvel movies. But we at least have an idea. And I feel like Apple is just a big wild card at this point. Yeah, the the thing with Disney though is, say you stripped out all the original programming, I think it's worth seven dollars. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, especially if you're a family with kids, to have the entire vault right there at, and you can download these to any device. So that means you could take them wherever you go. And then that Bob Iger so said that even if things are removed from Disney Plus, as long as you downloaded it and you keep paying us your monthly subscription fee, it will always be yours. Oh, nice. So, Hopefully they give you a warning when something's going to be removed. <laughs> yeah, that way you can watch it. Because, I mean, I want to watch the animated Dumbo and the new Dumbo. I never saw it. It's right at the features yeah, at the top. Seen, I'm I like, I need to dive either. into that. I saw then, the animated one. I So on the user interface, I will say they do have a button to download the entire season in one little button click, which is cool. awesome. I wish there was a random button for The Simpsons. That's the only, like, random. Play one episode yeah. over the 30 seasons. I'll be like, okay, let's go. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be nice. But yeah, that's Disney Plus. Apple TV Plus, if I didn't have it free for a year, it's a tough sell. But on the flip side, if you only look at the original programming, say Disney Plus didn't have any of the back catalog, and then Apple TV Plus, they're comparable. It's not a huge, gigantic list of things to watch. You have just a couple episodes to watch at a time. And that that's the main difference that Apple's betting entirely that we think that for five dollars, it's worth a couple high production shows to watch per week. That That's what they're betting. And Disney is betting that we have the best catalog of stories that's ever been made. And now you can have them all together. It's really an apples and oranges comparison. You can't compare it at all. You have to decide, do I like a couple high produced, high value produced shows per week? 
for five dollars. That's how you have to decide Apple TV Plus. For me, I, I actually would pay five dollars just to watch the morning show and for all mankind on a weekly basis or whatever, and we'll see what comes down the road. For Disney Plus, this is the ultimate no-brainer in the history of mankind. I, I, I have no negatives about Disney Plus. I have no reason <laughs> for anyone not to sign up for it. There's no questions in my mind. Yeah, Apple TV, it will come in that second year will be the question mark for me. If I'm going yeah. to continue to pay or not. Uh, and I think that's going to be the big decider if this thing works because they've given it away for free so unless they decide to give it away for free every year to people buying new devices which i'll be buying a new phone next year so that'll be <laughs> nice uh then i'm curious to see what happens in a year that's because we already know that a lot of people lock themselves into multi-year deals with disney and we know that they're not making money on it until a few years from now so they're gonna have to stick with this Apple, I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen. They did renew shows, but in a year, are they just? Is this going to be another of these things where they just kind of walk away from it and realize that eh, that didn't work? Yeah, because the, it's just two different companies. Disney's an entertainment company. That's what they do. Apple is a technology company. Apple is dabbling in creating an entertainment service that may or may not work. It's kind of an experiment. Imagine if Disney released a phone. You'd be like, well, that's stupid. It's not the iPhone. How are you going to compete with the iPhone? And it's the same idea. Apple's releasing a streaming program. It's like, how are you going to compete with Disney? Look at all the stuff they have. Right, yeah. And some of the stuff I didn't even know they owned. Like, it's <laughs> it's good stuff. Yep. So that's Disney+. Plus. We hope you enjoyed our roundup of it. <laughs> and so, since we're talking about streaming services, I guess Apple Arcade technically counts as one. It's a different form of entertainment because they're interactive games and this week guess what there's a bunch of new apple arcade games the first one is the mosaic which is a really kind of uh surrealist differentiating take it's more of just like this interactive kind of experiment experience it's not really a traditional game you play as a guy going through a mundane everyday kind of experience and then strange things start to happen and you interact with those strange things and this whole surreal nature of it the game for me though it was extremely slow. Like, I understand they're trying to replicate the idea of a boring day-to-day -day work, but that slowness is exasperated by the control scheme, which you're, like, struggling with. It's super simple. You tap and drag to move, and it's still tedious and a hassle to interact with, and it makes you focus on how slow the developing story is. Yeah, the guy just moves too slow, and that control scheme is just way too frustrating, where it'll just all of a sudden he'll stop walking for no reason or he'll be bumping into something that's in the background but you don't yeah. even realize it's in the <laughs> background so now you have to kind of drag towards you and get him to move out a little bit and then move if they can improve that i yeah i think you can you can you i know you can use a a physical controller i haven't tried that to see if it's any better with that but it, it still wouldn't put a pep in the step like the guy <laughs> is just slow as anything and that was a big detractor for me where i think i would have enjoyed this a lot more if i didn't feel like i was fighting against the controls and just the interface right and just be able to get myself into the story i'm intrigued by the concept and the premise the idea of the whole game but 
as I was playing it, I'm like, the only reason I'm continuing to go through this is because we're going to talk about it on the podcast. I'm not getting any enjoyment from this. I have no care to want to keep dealing and struggling through this. I'm bored out of my mind. I want to play something else. And that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Like, if we weren't going to talk about this, this and it's in the arcade. So it's not like I paid extra for this one. I probably would have forgotten about it. I played more of this than I would have had we had I not had this podcast to talk about it. So, yeah, yep. I, I'm with you right there. So that's the mosaic. Hopefully they update the control scheme. Maybe, like you said, put a pep in his step. But as it stands, the creation, it's not worth your Apple Arcade time. Yep. And so then there's UFO on tape first contact. And the original game came out way back when that it's so old, it's no longer on the App Store. Like... It's just gone. I wanted to play the old one as a comparison, and I was like, oh, well, it's no longer there. And so I didn't even know there was an original. <laughs> yeah, the original is a similar idea. It's just it's more. So the original game was more of like a quick action. You have 60 seconds, do stuff really quick. And it's more focused on AR where the UFOs were overlaid on your actual environment. With UFO on oh, okay. tape first contact, it's a whole gyroscope based game where there's not that many good ones, but I think they really nailed the gyroscope controls where it's almost like Pokemon Snap, but you get to move around to position your camera to take pictures. It's kind of like your iPhone is the camera and you have to spin around and take pictures of UFOs as they appear on screen. They're flying quickly and you need to get specific shots. Every single level gives you a different location. And in that location, you have about eight to 12 different shots they want you to take. They'll pay you for those given shots. So you're going to have to look for specific things. It's not always UFOs. Sometimes it's items in the environment. But I have a swivel chair. You sit down in a swivel chair and you just spin around and move your device all around. I was having a great time with this game. Yeah, I was on the couch with my giant new iPad and my my. <laughs> I specifically put on... it on my phone. Like I installed it on my I... iPad. I'm like, I should put this on my phone. I didn't know it was a gyroscope game when I started playing on the iPad. Otherwise, I would have started playing on the phone. I got to see if it syncs because I was there on the couch, like waving this thing around the air. <laughs> and my daughter kept on running in, like thinking I was taking pic because she could hear the, the clicking of the, the camera shutter. And so she thought I was taking all these pictures. So she kept on running into the screen, into the room, trying to like get into my shots. And she didn't realize I wasn't actually taking pictures. I was playing this game. And then she was like, Oh, okay. And then she would forget and come running back in the next time <laughs> I'm taking pictures. And so, yeah, it was, I, I didn't even, I had no clue what this was about going into this. I didn't even know I could move until I'm like, how am I supposed to get that shot? And then I finally realized when I kind of tilted the, the iPad a little bit that the camera moved. And I'm like, oh, it's a, one of those games, the ones I always say I hate. And <laughs> I actually kind of like this. I don't know why, but I actually enjoyed it, maybe because of the whole theme. Uh, it was a little frustrating to have to keep on replaying, but I did like how they gave you hints of what the shot you need to do. It was kind of this really faded out, darkened version of the thing. And then you could even see on the screen as you're aiming the camera around, it tells you when you're on a named shot. Like you see a name kind of appear above that area. So you kind of know this is a shot I want to take and it shows you like stars and stuff. So 
you do have an idea of when you're going to take the right shot. A few of these, it, I thought I was taking the shot that it wanted, and it never registered that it was one of the shots I needed, so I must just not have the right angle on it or yeah, something. Yeah, and you can zoom in a little bit, too. Yes, yeah. But that but Pokemon I, I, Snap Phone comparison. is the better. That, that's the one that took it away from me. It's just, I love Pokemon Snap. It's a classic. I don't know why they haven't re-released it in some capacity. We had Snappables on iOS, which had a similar idea, but that was dragging your finger on the screen. It kind of removes you from the idea. When you're holding your phone, you're familiar. You're used to taking pictures and taking video. And to have this whole overlay where first you're in this forest, you're driving along the road. Then you go and you're in a plane and you're looking down on this uh, mountainscape. And then you go over to Japan and you have this whole cityscape. And it just... You get in the mode of trying to find these shots. You're zooming in. The things are moving really fast, and you now need a quick trigger button. And it's just really yeah. <laughs> neat concept and idea. And the controls worked effortlessly to me. When I moved the phone, it went exactly where I wanted it to to grab these shots. Yeah, yeah. I definitely got to go back and do this on the phone. My guess is we haven't seen uh, the Pokemon Go Snap or whatever it's called on uh apple yet because nintendo hasn't figured out how to monetize in-app purchases and microtransactions on the game yet to make it not the game you actually want to play but some piece of crap free to play thing that yeah they probably sell like nose. film cartridges or something that you have to buy <laughs> to take pictures <laughs> you know you probably have to pay to develop all your pictures that's why this is so good it's completely included in apple arcade you don't have to worry about any of that crap and you just fully enjoy going level to level, focusing on taking your shots. You need to get the given shots because you're paid for them. You have a three-star scoring system. You need to earn a certain amount to move on to the next set. And it's fully encapsulated in that your picture-taking ability moves you on. Yep. I so that's agree. UFO on tape, first contact. For me, it was the standout of the week. Apple advertised it a long time ago. I think March when they first had Apple Arcade. And I was like, oh, they're bringing UFO on tape back. That's a quick, like I said at the start, simple, quick action game where it's like a 60-second timer and you have a score-based system and that's it. It's always the same 60 seconds over and over. To have levels and build it out in this storytelling environment, great job. Yeah, I haven't played a lot of the stuff that came out this week, but there were a lot of good new arcade titles that came out this week. I did play a little bit of Sociable Soccer, which was actually pretty entertaining, but I feel like they've saved a lot of good-looking, at least, titles for the later half of the, the release schedule to keep people interested. And then one launch title that we haven't gotten to is Cat Quest 2. It's reminiscent of Oceanhorn 2, and that both were kind of this deluxe adventure game, RPG a little bit, but had really good deluxe originals that came with a sequel specific to Apple Arcade. And if you liked the first Cat Quest, you're going to like Cat Quest 2. My only hesitation for this game is that it doesn't feel like a sequel. It's more of just an extension. That's not necessarily the problem. Cat Quest is amazing. It's a top-down adventure game where you play on the map. It's not like you have to tap a button in the upper right hand to see where the map is, where you need to go. You have the full map. You're running around on it. You see the little names appear. It's a really fun design mechanic idea. And the sequel essentially returns the same cat, and now you have a dog buddy. So now you have this whole like co-op potential. If you don't have a person to play with, though, it doesn't really change the gameplay that much. The computer does kind of ranged attacks for the dog or the cat. You can switch between the two characters. You have to upgrade them both individually. 
but the the core game it's just like the original cat quest the way you upgrade your character you can face certain enemies and you can get into certain caves based on the level up that you get to and then there's a whole really intuitive quest system to keep you kind of with the right difficulty curve and proceeding through the story but it doesn't change anything it really is the same game they have you they gave you a dog yeah, so I love the original. I never finish it because we have to play so many games. I, game. I just don't have time. And this, and so I was thrilled to get to play more of it as the sequel. Uh, but again, I was almost overwhelmed with the size of this game that I feel like I'm never going to finish it. It's now I have more room on my iPad so I can stick around for a while. And it looks absolutely gorgeous. The one thing I'll say about the the co-op, I have not tried co-op mode, but having the two characters is kind of nice because you get a second chance. Because <laughs> say your character dies, it automatically gives you control of the one that's still alive, and then you can go and run over and, and revive the one who went down. So it, it's, a, it's almost like a, a little helpful extra if you're playing alone. But yeah, the, the AI is mostly playing that character very well in fact like they're taking out things uh without you having to do much you can go and focus on other enemies while they're gonna definitely hold their own and hold their ground every once in a while they they did end up dying and i had to go and revive them but for the most part they were they were pretty good at battle yeah i really would like to try the co-op version i i I don't know if the online co-op is possible or if it's just local co-op I'm not sure. I, I we we probably should have tried that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as it stands, playing it solo, it's cool to have the dog. But the game plays almost identically, and I never finished the original because it's such a big game. And now the second game, it feels like well, it's a huge game, and it's just like you said, overwhelming. It's really well done. It's just not different. I'm like maybe I should just finish the original Cat Quest. And it would, to tell you the truth, I honestly had no clue that was a dog until in the dialogue they told you it was a dog. Because he looks like a cat to me. It doesn't look... Yeah, I, I guess if you, I mean, he's got pointy ears. I, I, in fact, I'm looking again just to make sure I'm looking at the right one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the white one is the dog, right? Yes. Yeah, the yellow uh, cat. Yeah, so he looks always cat-like to me. That he could easily pass for a cat, uh, but yeah, it's it is a thoroughly enjoyable game. If you never played the original and you don't want to spend money on the original and you have Apple Arcade, definitely play this. Yeah, this There's is a standalone n- experience. It, it it is absolutely incredibly amazing. Like you can, there's so much to do too, even beyond the quest. We talked about this when we talked about the original game. While you're just walking around the map, you can just go start fighting stuff if you want to fight stuff, and you can get extra coins and extra mana, so you can get all these resources just by going and fighting stuff on the actual like isometric 3D ish map as you're just walking around so there's always stuff to do i mean there's insane amounts to actually do but then there's also stuff you can just do for the fun of it while you're going to do more stuff so it's crazy like this will take you i would say i don't even know how long it takes to finish the entire game it's got to be a long time this could take you months of your apple arcade subscription just to finish this one game yep and so yeah cat quest is amazing you don't have to worry about the original. This is a completely standalone experience. 
my only hesitation is if you have played the original, that's where I got stumbled on. But if you haven't, Cat Quest 2 is a perfect starting point. It's one of the best games on Apple Arcade. There's so much TLC put into everything in this game. You'll just have fun. I mean, it's super accessible. Usually RPG and action RPG, it's kind of like this genre. Oh, that's for like pro players or super gamers or whatever the case. You tap to move and then your character starts fighting automatically and you tap and hold to do magical abilities. And it's all about positioning real-time strategy that anyone can pick up and start enjoying any age. Right. And the quest is very clear. If they, you can look at your level of your characters and know if this one's going to be just too hard for you to do. And maybe you want to level up first. So they do really make it clear. So if you're new to RPGs, you're going to have no problem just jumping right in. Yep. So that's Cat Quest 2. And then these two games kind of go together. One was released in the past two weeks, one was a launch title. Lifelike is, it comes from the makers of Black and it has a similar idea where it's a a puzzle game that is built on like particle effects but for me this game i just couldn't for the life (laughs) of me care to want to keep going like you have this little floating orb and you need to drag it to then get all these particles to kind of follow you in this whole pied piper idea to get to the next group of particles or glowing orbs and I don't know why. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know what I was supposed to be doing. But for some reason, they don't follow you. You move a little bit too far and you have to completely stop and go back to make sure they keep following you. And then you're you're just floating aimlessly for no apparent reason. You try to pick up on clues in the environment and those aren't actually clues. You don't even know what's going on. And you're just often floating adrift in nothingness for no apparent reason. Yeah, I think they hired the UI guy from the Mosaic <laughs> yeah. to help them with the controls because, yeah, this was painfully bad. This was so bad. This one I played way long. Like, I would have shut this off <laughs> almost this immediately. Instant delete game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, like, I, the particle effects look nice, but you had no clue what you're really supposed to do. And exactly, like, the Pied Piper is a perfect uh, description of this thing. You'd move, and then all of a sudden the thing would just stop. So you had to go back and closer to it then eventually it would kind of like a magnet be sucked towards you again and then so help you you didn't choose the the correct mystery direction of where you have to go next for the next location and you dragged out for a while in the wrong direction well now you gotta turn around and drag back in the other direction and then try another direction so I don't know. I don't even understand what was supposed to be fun about this. I just found it tedious and boring, and you're just dragging something to drag it to something else that you have to find on the screen. And then there's that that, slow motion thing, too. I don't even know what that meant. I, it was it was painfully bad. I don't I don't understand the appeal or why anyone would want to play this. Yep. So that's lifelike. Skip it. (laughs) Yes, definitely skip spec which this is more of a it has the idea of like the black game this is spec is more like black than lifelike is but spec (laughs) isn't from the makers of black and with spec you have to essentially create or use 3d manipulation or perspective change it's kind of like that shadowmatic idea in this case you drag or i guess blueprint 3d is probably the best comparison you drag your finger to change the perspective so Say it looks like a square. Well, now you change the perspective, it becomes a cube. And in doing so, 
you now have this little dot that flows along the edge of whatever given shape and you need to get it to these squares on the shape. And so you need to change the perspective so the shapes overlap or condense and get that circle onto the right outer shape to get to these squares. Yeah, yeah so that, this that's one... clear enough, right? <laughs> well, I played it. So, I, yeah, so that was clear for what... <laughs> so this one, I actually thought I was going to get bored the more I played it. The more I played it, actually, the more interested I got in it. Although I also got frustrated at points. So as you're dragging around and doing this, they start to introduce new concepts. So now not only do you have to, like, um, drag to get the thing to go onto different segments of this or other or other complete objects because now you've changed the pers the perspective and so now uh or perspective and now you see uh it moves on to like another object and then you drag it away and now it's just going to go around only on this one other object they start to add other things that you have to avoid so there's like fireballs that are chasing after you that you kind of want to trap over on another object by itself there's other areas where like you're going around it and it almost acts like a seesaw so now the weight of your ball on it causes part of the thing to go down so now you have to take that in consideration as you're dragging around to make sure it's going to be up or down in in the right location it can be tough to see the the, the where exactly you need to line things up to have it cause this dot to turn into a block that you can pick up it's not always obvious and sometimes you feel like you're in the right spot but it just didn't trigger it and you got to do a lot of just moving around till you get just the right spot uh and then there's other things with the they keep on introducing new elements which kind of keep it interesting so i actually kept on playing this one well after i would have just normally stopped and not just because of the podcast but because i was actually interested to see where they're going to go with it uh i don't know how much more i'm going to play but it did interest me because they kind of kept on changing things up and adding new elements it was more that frustration of not necessarily always knowing how I had to line it up to get it to recognize that I was on top of the object. I couldn't figure out how they were deciding that, which kind of got me frustrated. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. But just the, the like puzzle level-based idea, it's just better suited. It's like a better version of Bleck, essentially, by having this on-rails puzzle experience that slowly but surely adds in different mechanics as this flowing thing gets to the proper points. The, I guess the X, Y axis is kind of weird, or there's just like this, it's not always, not the consistency is not the right word. It's just, there's this weird ambiguity to the movement and the way the piece moves and all the shapes. Like, say you scrolled one way, it's tough to get back to where you were. It's really weird. You think, I just scrolled right. If I scroll left, I would get back to that fixed starting point, but it's not always the case in this game. Well, no, I think that's where like the 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 seesaw like weight kind of comes in, and then in another level you trigger this elevator type thing where you can get really messed up by these other elements, which I thought was cool, but also it was frustrating in a mm -hmm. way. But I did like that it was on rails that everything just kept on moving. There was no time limit. And if you, the only problem was if one of those things did catch up to you, then you had to start the level over again. Uh, but otherwise, 
it was a solid. I thought this one, especially compared to Life Like or whatever <laughs> that thing was called, this is like Oscar contender. But no, it was it was a really solid puzzle game. Like and it just well designed. I just wish. There was a little, I don't know if you could have done a tutorial or something to kind of help people out to make it more clear of how the access, the the various access movement stuff works. Yep. So that's spec. If you like puzzle games and just different concepts, intriguing ideas, check it out. For this week, Cat Quest 2 is an amazing game. Hopefully you played it. It was a launch title. UFO and Tape is a great addition to Apple Arcade. And spec is an intriguing puzzle game. The mosaic and lifelike, you can skip those. Yep, I totally agree. <laughs> Gives me more time to watch Disney Plus. I know we have new episodes coming yeah. soon. Yep. So to everyone listening, I think that's everything for episode 124. Yep, that's all I got. We hope you enjoy, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.